Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to Monday's edition of the Daily Bible Podcast. This is a special edition coming at you from... Prosper, Texas. Prosper, Prosper, Prosper. Dude, Prosper is nice, man. I didn't realize this, but I was driving down Coit. Yeah. And there's this place in Prosper called Whispering Farms. I guess it's a community. Whispering Farms. Yeah, it did not whisper, though, in its opulence. It was very loud. I was, I was deeply impressed. Did you buy your house there? I did buy a house there. Did you? The, the, I, I was, so I went to Zillow like anyone would do. Just to go see what the offerings right, are. Right. And I dropped a cool eight and a half million to get my next mansion. Wow. Yeah, that's all. That's it. It was on sale. So. Wow. But you know, because you it was on deal. sale, I bought two. Okay. So I got two lots. <laughs> <laughs> one for you to live in, one for Kristen to live in, one for Jacob no, to live in. Crazy. No, no, the one, no, no. one's for us to live in, one's for when I have people over. Oh, okay. Like so. the guest house, the cabana. The guest cabana. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm calling it. The guest house. That's got its own zip code. That's, that's it. Yeah. it. Dude, they were massive houses. Yeah. <laughs> was, it's funny because I'm still learning to navigate the area and i find these places where i'm just like this is i i don't understand texas yeah like it's it feels piecemeal in some ways where i just feel like okay there's just no plan yeah. you do what you want over here yeah and there there is a lot of that and yet like the castle down on frontier right that's yeah i don't understand that yeah yeah it's crazy it, josh and i were talking about that uh, a couple days ago we were driving somewhere and i was just commenting on i was like man i love texas i just the the big skies it was early in the morning the sun was coming up like oh the full moon that morning that, that yeah that yep. was cool yeah the sun coming up and the full moon there and just the open fields though and you drive by the cows and the longhorns it's like I, I was like I, I really like texas and he was like yeah i agree and he said you know i, I know a lot of people back in california just think well i don't want to go to texas everybody's moving to texas it's gonna be crowded there he's like the it's not plenty of space there's, people there's open space there's here lots of space yeah yeah and whispering farms and whispering farms man i'm just telling you man those those houses shout yeah even if their community whispers <laughs> those houses yeah you should drive down coit uh, I, I guess uh, it's i know it's prosper but you're heading toward mckinney so okay take a look i think that's where uh that new high school is over that direction was well, oh, that right uh, oh rock wall rock. Well, rock hill is over there which is massive yeah, and then that place is big that new one walnut grove just opened up that one's the one that's been catching you know everybody's attention nationally because they've got like a arena basketball arena and they've got <laughs> fast food dude even my my son's school has subway and what no not subway sorry jimmy john's like fancy subway that's amazing and burger king and chick-fil-a and uh, wow. and there's a pizza there like Pizza Hut in his cafeteria. That's ridiculous. There's a coffee shop like full on. You can walk in and sit down. There's a full barista working behind the coffee shop. This is a public high school. That's y'all. what you get for Prosper High School. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's bougie. It is. Yeah, <laughs> bougie high school. Yeah. My high school we had pizza in the shape of a rectangle. Yep. That had Same. probably processed cheese from God only knows where. Totally. I don't even know if it was cow cheese, honestly. Yeah. They didn't say it was cow cheese. They just said it was cheese. And we're stronger because of it. <laughs> I feel like it, man. I had these, they, they sold two of them for 50 cents. These, these chocolate chip cookies that were slightly underbaked every time. Oh. And they were so good. They were so oh, good. Do you know like, what I miss? Okay. Those French toast sticks. Okay. Oh man, yeah. I could I could have eaten a thousand of those. Yeah, so good French toast sticks. I, French toast. I wasn't a, as much of a fan of French toast sticks, but the worst was the chicken the chicken sandwich when you showed up and it was like the the fried chicken like nasty yeah, breaded, chicken patty. The, yeah, yeah, that one I kind of enjoyed that. I uh, no, 
So our guilty pleasure during snack, we'd get a bag of hot Cheetos and cream cheese. <laughs> and we take the hot Cheetos and dip them in the cream. St- bro, let me tell you, I still do this on occasion. <laughs> I still do it. <laughs> Not every day, obviously, but I still do it on occasion. Yeah. I remember, dude, Texas, we, I, I bought when I was in high school, cause I was stupid. <laughs> I bought a gigantic thing of, of gummy bears, like one of those five pound bags of oh, gummy yeah. bears. Yeah. 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 But I left it in my car in the Texas summer oh, and it just became one gummy. It bear. became one. And so it's like, like the church, bro, right. that's a great analogy. Like any teenager would do. I pulled it out and we played like soccer with it oh, on the, dude, the patio outside. That thing. That's amazing. No, bro. it was gross. I, I don't think I'd still be here if I had pounded that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you look up the Amazon reviews on that thing, by the way? Yes. Haribo. Yes. Amazon. <laughs> Amazon yes. Reviews. All right. Those so are if you guys are listening, go to Amazon look up the, I guess, I think it's Haribo, right? Or Haribo. I'm not sure how to say their name. Haribo H-A-I-R-B-O, gummy bears. R-B-O. Yeah. Yeah. Go look up that brand of gummy bears and read the reviews. You won't yeah. be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. It has a sugar substitute and sugar substitutes do a particular thing to the human body. So and I'll just capitalize. We'll on leave it. it like that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's uh, go to Isaiah chapter 24, 25 and 26. Again, Remember, our goal here is not to thoroughly understand it as well as we possibly... Well, our goal is to understand it as well as we can. But our goal is not to, to be able to be experts on the book of Isaiah and write a doctoral dissertation on it. We're, we're trying to just understand the broad brushes of what God's doing here. And we're still in this period of, of judgment here, um, but we're shifting from as much of a focus on the uh, the sovereignty over the, the the nations on the scene that Isaiah was dealing with to uh, more of a, a little bit of an eschatological focus here, that he's shifting gears to what is going to happen in the future. And even not just the future for Israel at the time that he was writing and Judah at the time that he was writing, but for us where we sit and listen today as well. Um, and so there's a, a focus to, to start there with the coming judgment that is going to befall all of mankind. Uh, and, uh, and it's, it's pretty stark. I mean, the, the way verse one starts in chapter 24, behold, the Lord will empty the earth and make it desolate and twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants here. And then over on verse 19, the earth being utterly broken, split apart, violently shaken. If you read revelation, earthquakes, yeah, fires, exactly. Sounds it, exactly like revelation. It, bingo. And he's picking up on so much of that uh, eschatological final, the, the, the end times, the judgment, the tribulation era judgment that God is going to pour out upon the earth. And Isaiah is foretelling that here. This is some 700 years or so before the, the advent of Christ, even right. the first advent of Christ. So, um, the other passage that came to mind is is Romans eight. When I was reading this too, when he when Paul talks about all of creation groaning under the weight mm-hmm. um, of the curse, and we see that in uh, in verse five, the earth it lies defiled under its inhabitants. Verse six, therefore a curse devours the earth, and the inhabitants suffer for their guilt. So just uh, this chapter was a, an encouragement to me, even though it's <laughs> it's all judgment. It's an encouragement to me of the continuity of scripture that we see. It's not like this is a compendium of a bunch of of sixty six books thrown together. And we try to force a, con- a continuity on it. There, right. there is continuity because this is one author. This is God that is stringing his story for all of mankind and, and redemptive history is is coursing throughout the pages of every single book in scripture. And there's there's unity there. And so this theme here from Isaiah is going to be picked up by Jesus as he's talking about that towards the end of his time on earth as he's preparing the disciples going, this is what's coming. And then you look forward to the book of Revelation and you see the reality of it being talked about in the book of Revelation. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's just... It's an encouragement to that end. 
Yeah, and I think this is an encouragement to all of us, men, women, children who are listening here. Uh, the better you understand the whole of Scripture, the better you're going to understand the parts of Scripture. And that's why Pastor Peach and I, when we're struggling through this, we're trying to say, okay, what, is, what does the rest of Scripture have to say about this? What connections can we make? The better you understand your Bible, the better you're going to be able to understand the parts of the Bible that are a little more challenging. And that, that's, an, that's a, a principle of interpretation. We, we interpret the unclear in light of the clear. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at the whole compendium of Scripture, which is one thing. It's one story that God has assembled, and we're trying to figure out the parts of the story. We're not always going to get that right, honestly, and we're going to we're going to wrestle through those things. But yeah. it's appropriate for you to, to understand. You reading through this, it's hard, but it's good. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, yesterday you talked about context, and that's this is a broader. What you were just talking about is is a form of context. When we study a verse, the verse is in the context of the paragraph. The oh, paragraph right. yeah. is in the context of the chapter. The chapter is in the context of the book. The book is in the context of the canon, all of Scripture. Right. And so part of our consideration of, of context, even for drilling down to a, a, a singular verse, is to think about its place in the entirety of the canon of scripture and how this does right. continue that theme. Great point. Well, in verses 14 through 16, there's a, a respite here in the theme of judgment because there's people that are singing for joy here. And, and this is, uh, from what we understand, again, there's there's question marks, but this seems to be a remnant that he's talking about here. This, this seems to be a group that is going to be spared the full judgment. And they are there to glorify God and to praise him even in the midst of judgment. That's a theme we've talked about quite often in the mm-hmm. podcast already. But this idea that, hey, we are we are, are, are praising God, glorifying God, worshiping him even for his judgment, right? As, as hard as, as that concept is, that's what's taking place here. Yeah. Praise God for that. And, and, and to make that clear, the remnant is the, the people that God preserves. Those are the people that God says, I'm, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to restore you. I'm right. going to make sure that even though judgment's going to pass through, he will, uh, like a storm shelter, be the one to protect them against his own judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Verse 21, on that day, the Lord will punish the host of heaven in heaven and the kings of the earth on earth. Um, Verse 23, the moon will be confounded, the sun ashamed for the Lord of hosts reigns. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but in the description of the new Jerusalem there, it specifically says there is no sun, nor is there a moon. I'm kind of sad about that moon part. The sun, I figure his effulgent glory will light up everything. Okay. But I think there's more to it than that. I think it's because the sun and the moon for eons, well, since the dawn of time, essentially have competed for the glory of God amongst men. Men have been prone to worship the sun, the moon, and the stars. Okay, I'm trying. And so they've become objects of idolatry. And I think there's there's just this idea in the new heavens and the new earth that they're, that they're, they're confounded. They're they're thrown down almost as though not that it's the, the fault of the celestial objects themselves, right. but almost as though God is flexing over them saying you're, you're no longer here. You're no longer needed. Let there be no doubt about who gets all the glory. I am the object of worship period. End of story. I really hope he keeps planets and others. So, I mean, I get it. You want to go I, hang with the aliens. I, I mean, I wouldn't mind that because uh, they're, they're there. Whether, whether they're actual, <laughs> whether they're actual things that they, the TV presents or something else. I don't know, but they're there. I, I just, okay. What about the sea? I, I, okay. You brought this up. So what about the sea? Why is the sea no more? What do you, Cause that's a really helpful thought. Okay. There's no competition for God's glory. He alone gets it. I'm about that. Why the sea? I have a couple ideas, but I don't know if any of them are even close to right. Uh, it, it's, it, you know, the, 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 in the end time, the enemies of God arise out of the sea, right? And okay. a lot of times in scripture, I think there's negative context about the sea and okay. about the, the oceans. Right. And I think that there's an element there just to, to remind people the sea is is not there because there's no opposition to God. 
Uh, does that mean there will literally be no no ocean, no sure water, no like sea? It. It's it, yeah. It says the sea is no more. <laughs> sure, you're right. It yeah. sure seems like it. Um, but I, and that's and that's where I was thinking. Okay, what it represents and and the suggest what it suggests. But then why take away the the, the thing? <laughs> why take, why why take it away entirely? I know people that love the ocean. Right, and, and I think this is part of the now we see in part. Then we will then we will know fully. Um, yeah. Yeah, Revelation twenty one one. I saw the new heaven, the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Yeah, that sounds pretty conclusive. Yeah, hard to hard to say. You know, it's a it's a metaphor. Could be it could be something symbolic, but I man, it sure doesn't seem like it. It doesn't because we don't treat anything else in that passage metaphorically. <sighs> Scripture, man. Sometimes it confounds me. It does. Often it does. Okay. 25 25 25 uh, this is the encouragement right if i said 24 was encouraging you though this is even more encouraging this is super encouraging for better reasons right um this is is the victory that god is going to accomplish for us over the greatest enemy that we have which is death um and just the, uh, what a, a cool image it is in in the way he describes it in 25 7 he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples the veil spread over all nations he will swallow up death forever i, I just i think that's such a, a a poignant picture the covering spread over all peoples this weightiness this 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 the shadow cast over us the which last is, enemy which is death, right? Yeah. And he's saying he's going to vanquish that and it's going to be gone and he's going to swallow up death forever and the Lord will wipe away all tears. This is Revelation 21 yeah. right here um, from Isaiah. Isaiah 25. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, uh, which is super encouraging. Amen. Yeah. 26 um, has my favorite verse in all of the book of Isaiah. Really? Yeah. Not even that, nothing in chapter 40 get you? 40 is great and so is 53 50 i can keep going here yeah but i just i love the promise of isaiah 26 3 okay you keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you i think i like that so much because it it, it hits us where every single one of us are at okay um that in the midst of the tumult in the midst of the chaos in the midst of of everything else going on because remember isaiah is writing to this group as assyria is still on the scene here right we're not experiencing any of the good things that he's talking about here right and yet there's this call to to trust in god trust in him you keep him in perfect peace i mean where else can we find that it's it's philippians 4 concept right the the, be anxious for nothing but but cast your burdens on him so to speak mm-hmm. and he will give you the peace that guards your heart and mind in christ jesus the peace that surpasses understanding that's a perfect peace right. and it's ours if we will trust in him and it's so cool that, that god is the one who keeps us in perfect peace if we will trust him yeah i, I think the, the important thing that sticks out to me here is the one whose mind is stayed on him that's the one who is in perfect peace right that stayed focused steadfast the fixed mindset so so many times a day we uh we are of a divided mind. We're distracted. We have a million things that vie for our attention. So therefore our minds tend not to be stayed on him, which then we shouldn't be surprised if we're anxious and concerned right. and fearful, um, which I guess is a helpful reminder. Your, your daily devotions are not like a vitamin that you take in the morning and say, okay, I'm good to go. Right. Your daily devotions are much more like the beginning of the permeation throughout your day. You're looking for opportunities to memorize scripture, to apply it, uh, even to sing it. Uh, this is the kind of person I think that Isaiah has in mind. And even if you can think back into your earlier Bible reading, Psalm chapter one talks about the one who uh, meditates on his law day and night. That's the person who's fixing his mind, staying his mind on the Lord. Right. Right. And, and this uh, chapter 26 opens, I should have said this to begin with, but it says in that day. So in that, in the day when, when all of this is reality, 
it says this song will be sung in the land of Judah. And it's, it's, that's, that's when we enjoy the, the fullness of this perfect peace. But, but there is a measure that we can have as, as believers, especially yeah. here and now the today. Costco sampler. Exactly. As can you, you give us a, uh, give us a, a sample of that, what that song will sound like? Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not about that song, bro. Don't yeah, put neither. that on Spotify. No, that's not good. Um, yeah. So yeah, but, but just an, an encouragement and, uh, I, Isaiah in, in verse nine, my soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you just longing for God's righteous judgments for when your judgments are in the earth and the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. Mm-hmm. We can echo that. I think, right. We look at, at our landscape around us. We look at what's going on in this world. I think we can say, man, I, I long for the day when God's righteous judgments are what governs and the world loves righteousness. Indeed. Yeah. Let's flip over to our New Testament reading. Ephesians 4. Ephesians. Quattro. That's four in Spanish, Pastor Rod. Oh, that's uh, that's good. good yeah, job. you're welcome. Gracias para your teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians 4. Um, unity, right? And he opens up with the call to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. It, it, there's a lot of parallels between... Uh, Paul's writings, but especially Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I, I think he covers a lot of similar material in those books. And here, I think he really um, it covers a lot of similar ground to what he does in Ephesians or, or in Philippians one. And, and then the beginning of chapter two, when uh, towards the end of Philippians one, he says the same thing, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And then he goes on to talk about that selflessness that's ours, that should be ours. If we have the mind of Christ doing nothing from selfish ambition and so, so on and so forth. And that's similar to what he calls us to here, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel or the calling to which you've been called having humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one. Again, there's that unity focus here. So I think Paul's hitting the same thing here in Ephesians four, as he does in Philippians one and two, again, the continuity of, of themes of scripture that we pick up that it's it's not different messages scattered throughout that's been thrown together in some r- random anthology but this is similar even in the teachings of the epistles like right paul's focused on the same thing across the board yeah what's interesting too in verses 11 and 12 is you find that god designs the body to work under a hierarchical structure of sorts so you have yep. the apostles the prophets the evangelists and shepherds and teachers these are gifts that god gave to the church and there's no return receipt so you got to keep them <laughs> we are who you got Sorry, but notice here in verse 12, the, 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 the towing the party line here is to do this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so my job and Pastor Peach's job in, in conjunction with the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists is to help mature the body of Christ by equipping you for the work of ministry. Your job and our job together is to work toward the maturity, the building up of the body of Christ. So that's part of what this chapter gets at. We pursue unity by working together in a mutual uh, submission to Christ for the mutual upbuilding of Christ's body. Yeah. And that body is going to be marked by where he goes in the rest of chapter four, which is this new life, this, this uh, system of Christian ethics, if you will, yep. as to to how we should conduct ourselves. And there, there's a lot in here that we could point out and single out and say, okay, we need to do this, put off your old self. It's corrupt desires, be renewed in the spirit of your minds, put on the new self. One thing I wanted to point out because I, I, I it's, it's one of my pet peeves and I think it's something that I've seen in, in my generation, my lifetime really change since I was younger. When I was younger, profanity was not common amongst the adults in my life. It mm. wasn't something that like, not that nobody in the world cussed who was an adult. There, but it there stood was, out when someone did. Right. Because there was a decorum. There was a dignity that was expected even from a world, from the world right. of what was appropriate and what was not appropriate. Right. Public discourse 
cursing was not welcomed. Right. And, and today that has gone out the window and, and there's this mindset that's invaded the church too, right? The, the whole concept that that book that was written, "Girl, Wash Your Face," oh, and the yeah. whole idea there was, I'm yeah, I'm a Christian and I cuss a little and I drink, and, it, and it's all all of it's okay. And it's like, okay, I, I I don't think we're understanding what Paul meant when he talked about our Christian liberties. Yeah, and I I, I say all that to to point out in Ephesians four. Um, Look at verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. It, listen, God cares about the words that we speak. God cares about the the things that we say. And we've got to be careful not to act like the world. In fact, he's going to talk about that later in chapter five. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking among you, right? I mean, we have to stand out and be different as Christians. And I think this is an area church where this is low hanging fruit for us. And so I, I think this is an area we've got to be, be careful with and, and watch, watch what we're saying, watch our words. And we will stand out in this world because it is so commonplace everywhere else. So I think one of the reasons why it, there's such a proliferation of that kind of language, um, two reasons, at least number one, that's a revelatory of their heart. We talked about that before, Yep. but number two, it's in line with the thinking that, Hey, I'm just being authentic. I'm not, right. I'm not being something I'm not anymore. Before that, when I was you know, censoring myself, I wasn't being true to who I was. So how would you, how would you respond to that kind of, I, I suppose it's noble minded, but wrong handed, wrong headed in, in its own way. Right. Because that's, if you're a Christian and I guess that's the, the, the caveat here, Yeah. right? If you're a Christian, then what you have just said is, is not true. It's not who you are. You're not being authentic mm. because that's Paul's whole point here is if you are in Christ, put off the old self and put on the new self. Yep. And, and that's an active pursuit, right? That's not a passive thing. There's, there's something passive about our regeneration and the fact that we don't cause ourselves to be born again, right. but then living that new life out is an active pursuit that we have to choose daily to live as the new creations in Christ that we are. That's right. So y- y- that's not true. You're not being authentic to yourself. You're being authentic to your old self, which Paul said should have been crucified with Christ. Right. Yeah. Authentic to, to your old self and perhaps, uh, inauthentic to who you are in Christ. Right. Amen. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. I was going to, yeah, there's a, uh, there's an exegetical issue there uh, about whether or not Christ descended into hell. Did you want to touch on that? You brought it up. You might as well talk about it a little bit now. Okay. I figured as much because the apostles creed says he descended into hell and it's wrong. Um, Ephesians four, eight, Therefore, it says when he ascended on high, he led a host, uh, he led a host of captives and he gave them gifts. Verse nine in saying he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, comma, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. See, he went to hell. Pastor PG, what are you saying? Yeah, there are those that teach that when it says he descended into the lower regions, that this is implying that Christ went to hell after the the cross and proclaim victory victory and led free a host of captives. Right. There's a a load of of soteriological salvation related problems with that concept as far as who are the captives that are being led free, then who were in hell before that, and why were they in hell, and is Abraham's bosom in hell? All all of those. Listen, that's not what this passage is saying, and and Paul even clarifies that. It's far more simple. Right. It says when he descended into the lower regions, the earth, meaning he came from heaven to earth. He came from heaven to earth to show. We got to do that song, man. I'm doing it. Let's do it. I'm 100% all for that. I love that song. 
Uh, yeah, he came from heaven to earth and then he returned to heaven, which is what it means that he ascended, leading host, leading a, a host of captives. Those are the ones that were saved through his work on the cross and in the resurrection. Right. So don't get tripped up if, if someone says, look, see, Jesus went to hell. That's not what this is saying. That's not what this is teaching. Much agreed. All right, y'all. Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. And we will catch you again tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Because it's daily. Daily. See you then. Peace. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Mm -hmm.